Part three of The Night the Mountain Fell, the story of the Montana Yellowstone Earthquake by Edmund Christofferson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part three. Civil Defenses Puzzle. At two a.m., Potter called in Montana State Highway Engineer Fred Quinnell, Don Brown of the Montana Fish and Game Department, and Captain Alex Stevenson, Chief of the Montana Highway Patrol, to help sort out the rumors in the tense hours ahead. At two fifteen a.m., George Barrett, Highway Engineer in Bozeman, radioed to Helena Austin Bailey's report on road conditions in the West Yellowstone area. Another report from a road maintenance man in the Ennis area brought some word of a rise in the Madison way downstream from the canyon. When asked by phone, Jack Corette, president of the Montana Power Company, said he felt it unlikely that the dam had gone out. As a precautionary measure to protect communities farther downstream on the Madison, an immediate drawdown of Meadow Lake and Canyon Ferry Reservoirs was begun. At 2.53, Bozeman Sheriff Don Skerritt reported that through the ham radio net that was rapidly taking up the slack in communications, he had messaged his deputy Everett Biggs in West Yellowstone. A short time later, he'd received word that there was still much violent shaking in the area, that the lake had gone down substantially and the dam was still holding. Associated Press sent a man over to Civil Defense Headquarters in Helena at 2.55 a.m. to keep in touch with developments. At 3.15 o'clock, when out of the communications box came the cry, It's gone! It's gone! It was difficult to keep the press from rushing to the phones and announcing nationally that the dam had collapsed. There was no confirmation, but the impact of the moment impressed Potter to the extent that he immediately called the marshal, George Hibbert, at Ennis, the first settlement downstream from Hebgen Dam, and urged him to get the people out. The sirens blasted fifteen times, as one crusty old Ennis evacuee, Ray Tuffy Coles, put it, they wake you up in the middle of the G.D. night with the story that the dam's going to go. Still, the people packed up and got out in pretty good order. Of course, there was some confusion. One guy grabbed a flashlight and a thermos of coffee. His wife got into the car wearing a coat over her nightgown and carrying a girdle she'd been sewing on that evening. Some of the evacuees drove over the hill to Madison County's exciting historical county seat town of Virginia City to wait out the expected flood. But most Ennis folks spent the rest of the night perched in their parked cars on a hillside overlooking the town like penitents waiting for Judgment Day. Rescue First Medical Doctor August 17 was the first time that Dr. Raymond G. Bales, an active Bozeman medical doctor, had got to bed at a decent hour in weeks. The tremors he felt in Bozeman were strong enough to damage buildings on Montana State College campus in Bozeman. Recently, Bales had bought the 50-room stagecoach inn at West Yellowstone, and he was concerned about the inn and its employees. The phone service to West was out. As the night dragged on, the radio brought him the news that the West Yellowstone was close to the center of the quake and that the road to West was impassable. He chartered a plane at daybreak. 
on the way to the west he had the pilot fly down over the madison canyon the dust had pretty much settled so they could see the massive slide in detail just above it a group of people the ost fredericks smiths etc were waving for help the lake was beginning to form in the canyon behind the slide more people were standing near their cars and trailers halfway between the slide and the dam just below the dam was another caravan which included many station wagons on the dam spillway someone had spelled out okay sos with pancake flour in big white letters and marked a big cross on the highway in a spot suitable for a helicopter landing dr bales realized that there were injured among those trapped in the canyon as they flew low over the lake they saw where buildings and big sections of highway had dropped into the lake on the usually clear surface of the lake somehow as a result of the quake thousands of logs appeared probably submerged logs shaken off the bottom there were virtually no boats visible at the stagecoach inn he found the staff huddled around a bonfire under the trees across the street where they'd been since the heavy tremors began cracking plaster in the building the exception was jane winton a nurse who managed the hotel and had bravely stayed on duty at the desk they gathered splints medicines whatever emergency material they could find and went to the airport the pilot flew to a field big enough to land on at the watkins creek ranch on the south side of the lake about two miles from the dam in walking toward the dam they found debris where the tidal wave had thrown it half a mile up from the shore the entire south shore of the lake had risen about eight feet after a mile's walking they came to a spot where people were dragging their boats higher out of the water they believed the dam was going out and at first didn't want to lend dr bales a boat but he finally persuaded them dodging the many logs in the lake made the trip difficult as they approached the dam jane winton was frightened at the big crack at the dam's concrete core just you keep watching that crack dr bales told her if it gets bigger you'll know what's going to happen if not you'll be telling your grandchildren about all this to reach the bank we had to land through a lot of debris that had gathered at the dam we went over the top of the concrete at nine dr bale said we were met by a girl who seemed to have more authority mildred mrs ramon green of billings montana a former nurse who was one of the real heroes of the disaster she told us that no one had been there and that they'd had no word from outside since the quake more than nine hours earlier mrs green had the injured there were sixteen serious cases in the back of station wagons two to a wagon except for one elderly couple who were in their fishing trailer ray painter forty six a service station operator from ogden utah and his wife myrtle forty two they were perhaps the most seriously injured she had flesh torn off her arms a crushed chest a punctured lung and hemorrhages from an arm artery her husband had deep lacerations over ninety per cent of his legs like the other injured they were suffering terribly yet not one of them was complaining 
as mrs green took us around and gave the case histories we saw what a resourceful job she and another nurse mrs fred donegan of vandalia ohio had done in the absence of drugs medications and even proper bandages we helped with the dressings we'd brought and the medicines for pain and shock we were there an hour to an hour and a half these injured needed hospital care and there were no plans as yet to get them out they couldn't travel by boat so we got in our boat and went back to west yellowstone to arrange for the injured to get from there to bozeman and to the hospital when the helicopters did arrive shortly after noon the first helicopter a two-rotor silver air force h-21 from hill air force base utah took its first load of four injured from the dam at west yellowstone airport as arranged by dr bales these injured in sleeping bags were immediately loaded onto the floor of a converted b-18 which had brought cargo to west and flown to bozeman there dr bales had organized a fleet of station wagons to rush them to the hospital for the care that was to save most of their lives civil defense wrap-up by three forty five o'clock the highway department was in full action major road repair help was on the way to get the roads open george barrett at the department's bozeman headquarters called spike narrance of the narranch and conda contracting outfit which was building a big stretch of road in the gallatin valley about forty miles north of west yellowstone and got their big scale road building equipment rolling toward west yellowstone and the hebgen dam area there was still no definite idea of the exact damage or the road blockage but they'd begun to suspect major damage to the dam the roads or both if the highway department couldn't use the equipment for road repairs the power company could for dam repair pilot ralph cooper took off in the fish and game commission plane at three forty five a m from helena to reconnoitre the madison area shortly thereafter quinnell and alex stevenson took off in the highway department's plane with daybreak came the first word on just what had happened at six o'clock the planes reported ca one as recorded in the highway department's log slide area forty three miles south of ennis white sign on the top of dam reading OKSOS. Okay, road has gone into the lake on the roadside mountain has gone into lake on opposite side cracks six to eight feet across the road slide is estimated to be one half mile long and three hundred to five hundred feet deep water rising fast about fifty cars stranded in the area estimated a hundred and fifty to two hundred people the only way out by helicopter potter immediately called johnson flying service a pioneer regional flying outfit in missoula two hundred miles from the slide and ordered a helicopter for rescue work he also asked for helicopter assistance from malmstrom air force base in great falls montana a hundred and ninety miles to the north malmstrom's rescue copter had blown a tire the day before so they sent a jet to salt lake for a new one potter hollered for helicopters on the national alert warning system hotline how many do you need he was asked all you can get he answered 
in response everything flying amphibians transports in addition to helicopters started moving toward the quake area from the forty first air rescue squadron hamilton air force base in california the twenty eight forty ninth air base wing rescue hill air force base utah the thirty six thirty eighth flying training squadron stead air force base nevada and the forty sixty first support group malmstrom air force base montana the forest service began moving in its well-organized rescue organization that morning under the direction of harvey robe eight of the forest service's elite smoke jumpers trained in first aid jumped in the canyon at ten thirty o'clock with rescue equipment under the leadership of al hammond when we made our parachute landings hammond remembers the folks we came to rescue asked us solicitously if we were okay the rescue of the people trapped in the canyon it turned out there were close to three hundred proceeded smoothly the aust fredericks and smiths all ambulatory if shoeless were helicoptered out to the highway on the inner side of the slide and taken in highway patrol cars to the hospital or to the dormitory improvised in the high school gym the injured who had been gathered at the hebgen dam end of the canyon were helicoptered out to west and flown to the hospital in bozeman working continuously throughout the day without provisions for meals etc the road repair crews barbered a shoe fly substitute exit road along the steep mountain side parallel to the shore where the road had collapsed into the lake by six p m they completed a passable road the state highway patrol registered the cars as they exited from their entrapment in the madison canyon when all the unencumbered cars had passed through the bulldozers helped pull those with trailers over the most difficult portions of the substitute road that night the refugees were welcomed to food and beds in the montana state college gym in bozeman within eighteen hours after the initial shock the last of those trapped by the earthquake in the difficult-to-reach Madison Canyon, were on their way to safety. The wounded had been rescued hours before. As George Syme, information guide for the Highway Department and for the Civil Defense, said, that day anyone would have been proud to be a member of the Highway Department. The whole operation ran smoothly. It was a tremendous example of government service in the finest tradition, a demonstration of agencies working together to do an important job. Nobody held back. They put in all the personnel and spent all the money needed to get it done. When we knew lives were at stake, Forest Service Region 1, Chief Charles Tebbs said, we didn't worry about the cost or what appropriation it would come from, we just went ahead and did the job. Quinnell, head of the Montana Highway Department, took the same attitude. It wasn't until three days after the quake that anyone mentioned the fact that no one, including Potter, actually had authority for much of the work they'd done. It belonged to the sheriffs of the counties involved. By this time, the emergency job was practically done. All that remained was to figure up the damage. Untrapped all through the night, the Austs, the Fredericks, and others trapped above the slide shuddered with each new quake and then listened for the repeated thunderous crashings of the avalanches which echoed loudly against the canyon walls. Every fifteen to twenty minutes, all that morning, there would be another shock. 
they were thankful that their families were complete fredericks nearly exhausted from his work in helping rescue those trapped by the rapidly advancing water above the slide tried to sleep but the excitement and uncertainty kept the whole group awake at dawn which came at about five the first of the many small planes flew over the canyon the light gave the group a clear view of the opposite side of the canyon and they could see how the mountain had turned loose crashing down onto the canyon floor surging up the other side of the canyon to a height two-thirds of the height of its original location and then shooting both up and down the canyon they could now see the mud debris and the accumulating water which had covered their cars and camp in the early light they used methylate and dressings from a first-aid kit to treat the worst of the previous night's injuries the two dozen eggs somehow rescued intact in their flight up the canyon side fried with canned potatoes and served on bread plus coffee made a heartening breakfast the smiths who had fled the beaver creek campground at the time of the quake joined them making a total of twenty-one in the group a small orange and silver plane swooped low circled and waved its wings flew east toward the dam they took heart in the fact that they had been discovered half an hour later the plane flew over again very low dropping an orange streamer fastened to an envelope the envelope was torn open by a branch and the message floated down by itself with fresh horror they read it it said fire down by river bridge on ridge top get going it was signed simply ost hurriedly they looked around for smoke seeing none frightened trapped in a strange wild country with all nature seeming to turn against them they knew not where to turn in an effort to find out about the fire ost borrowed the hip boots a woman had given fredericks and started off in the direction of the slide the plane circled over him and wagged its wings an action he interpreted to mean that he was going in the right direction he continued climbing the muddy lower end of the slide the rubble the great cube-shaped boulders big as cars all mixed in with trees some stripped bare others still complete with all their branches on the slide he met two men walking in from the outside they told ost that the river bridge was fifteen miles upstream past the dam and advised him to keep the group where it was until helicopter help came the plain message about the fire was still a mystery it remained so for several months until ost finally got it explained the message had been one of several dropped from a plane by a forest service guy otto h ost in 1957 to instruct a ground crew to proceed to a fire a couple of hundred miles from the madison canyon the streamer otto ost figured had been found returned and sent out without removing the two-year-old message the note from ost to ost was a powerful coincidence doesn't it strike you as almost planned reverend ost said when he got the explanation at eleven thirty a m the two forest service smoke jumpers part of a group of eight who jumped farther up the canyon hiked in they had first-aid equipment and food they reassured the group that a helicopter was on its way to rescue them shortly after noon the johnson flying service helicopter arrived landing precariously on the canyon side slope 
Mrs. Ost and George Whitmore, the Frederick's nephew, both with eye injuries, were the first two taken out. The helicopter ferried them over the slide to a point on the highway where highway patrol cars sped them at 80 miles an hour where rocks hadn't made the road hazardous, to Ennis, to medical care, comfort, and safety. By the time the helicopter had taken 17 of the group over, the turbulence of an oncoming storm made the air so treacherous that the four remaining men walked up the canyon, were driven to a safer landing point at the upper end of the canyon. They saw the cracks and damage at Hebgen Dam. The helicopter picked them up, and they joined their families in Ennis. We'd lost our money, our cars, our clothes, Mrs. Frederick said. The Red Cross didn't ask any questions about whether we had any money or not. They just helped. They sent us to stores and got us all two complete outfits. They told us to make any calls home to our relatives that we wanted to, and they're flying us home. We're certainly going to be ardent Red Cross workers from now on. That night they stayed, dormitory style in the Ennis High School gym, as Mrs. Fredericks puts it, an anvil chorus each snoring in his own language. Conditioned by the quake of the night before, when the town siren blasted off at 9 p.m., the quake victims jumped out of bed in alarm and hastily dressed. Even after the siren was explained as the regular nightly curfew signal, Mrs. Fredericks slept the rest of the night in her clothes. I'm damned if I'm going to be caught in my pajamas again, she said. The Osts moved up to the Shermont Motel in Sheridan, where Mrs. Ost recuperated from her face and eye injury. Miraculously, though the whole side of her face was massively bruised, no bones were broken. That Saturday they were guests of the Madison County Fair at Twin Bridges. On Sunday the Red Cross flew them from Butte back to their homes in New York. The Fredericks moved to the Finland Hotel in Butte, where George Whitmore had treatment for his more serious eye injury. Everyone was so wonderful. A bellhop drove us all around, showing us this exciting town. The people at the hotel took up a collection and gave us some money. You couldn't have better people. The Fredericks flew back to Illyria that same Sunday, leaving George Whitmore in the hospital for further treatment. The irony of it all, Mrs. Fredericks said, is that we still didn't get to see Yellowstone Park. End of Part 3